Luke 22, verse 54. It's on the screen as well. It says this. The religious leaders seized Jesus and led him away. But Peter followed from a safe distance. They brought him to the home of the high priest where people were already gathered out in the courtyard. Someone had built a fire, so Peter inched closer and sat down among them to stay warm. A girl noticed Peter sitting in the firelight. Staring at him, she pointed him out and said, This man is one of the disciples of Jesus. Peter flatly denied it, saying, What are you talking about, girl? I don't even know him. By the way, Peter just got on walking with Jesus for three years closely. Peter's getting the hair plucked from his beard. He's getting spat on. He's getting whipped. He's getting persecuted. He's getting mocked. And Peter says, girl, what are you talking about? I don't even know this man. Verse 58, a little while later, someone else spotted Peter and said, I recognize, sir, I recognize that you are one of his. I just know it. Peter again said, I'm not one of his disciples. What are you talking about? About an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted he was a disciple of Jesus, saying, look at him. He must be from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. I know he's one of the ones that walk closely with him. I know that he must be with Jesus. Watch Peter's response. Peter was very adamant. He said, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. Let's jump down to verse 62 real quick. Peter burst into tears, ran off from the crowd, and he wept bitterly. Okay, well, let's, let's jump six months ahead to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to flip there with you. Acts chapter 4. Verse 12, this is Peter, this is Peter, this is Peter in trial standing before all the religious leaders in the town council. Anybody who, who, is, who is anything in town is there. He says this, there is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter. They witnessed the bold courage of Peter. Let's jump to verse 20. It says this, It is impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things that we've seen and we've heard. Another translation says, I just can't help myself but to talk about them. I'm going to preach a word tonight entitled, The Fire and the Fight. The fire and the fight. Let's pray in the house tonight. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you in this place. We thank you that your spirit is here and he is willing to do what only he can do. Father, I thank you that your power is in this room, already moving in and out of each and every seat, moving in each heart and soul in this room. Spirit of the living God, we submit this night to you. Father, I pray that you do what only you can do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone say, amen. amen. Come on, would you give it up for my man John back here? Thanks, Jay. 
Don't get too comfortable. You'll be right back up. Come on, the fire and the fight. You ever seen somebody that uh, you haven't seen in a few years and you have this thought, what happened to you? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you see some old uh, high school friends and uh, you think, bro, you all right? <laughs> that Whataburger looked good. <laughs> you ever seen somebody uh, get, in a, get in a fight and uh, you didn't realize they were in a fight and you see them after the fight and you're like, uh, bro, what happened to you? Or how about that girl in high school you didn't think was cute in high school, but she aged a little bit? started dressing a little better. She grew up a little bit. Come on, you, you, you look at her and you say, what happened to you? Hello, I choose you, Pikachu, right? <laughs> what happened to you? What happened? I imagine that, that the disciples or people that knew of Peter in Luke 22, when they saw him act out in Acts chapter four, they begin to ask the question, what happened to him? What happened to him causing him to go from denial to the scene of the trial, standing up before the religious leaders saying, there's no other name which men can be saved by them by the name of Jesus. One moment he is denying Jesus in front of three randos that probably didn't even matter in this context. And suddenly within six months he's standing before the trial saying, I can't help myself but to talk about him. What, what, what I'm going to do tonight, what we're going to do together is break down that six-month period in Peter's life. What happened to him to cause him to go from timidity to tenacity, to, 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 to being scared, to running from conflict, to being ashamed, to completely unashamed, to being loud and proud and bold about Jesus. We're going to break that down tonight. We have to start at, I'm gonna teach you a little bit if that's okay. Gotta start at John 21. John 21 was a short period of time after Jesus died and resurrected. And the disciples are found in this scene in a boat. They're seen in a ship. And if you know anything about the disciples is that they were fishermen before they started following Jesus and became fishers of men. But what happened along the way was when the obvious presence of Jesus wasn't around them anymore, they didn't know what to do with it. In other words, they went back to the very thing that they used to do. They went back to what was comfortable, they went back to what they knew, they went back to that safe place in a ship. My concern is that we come to church around the obvious manifest presence of God. And when we leave this place, when Monday comes around, when another Tuesday comes around pre-gathering, we don't know what to do, so we go back to the very thing that we used to do. The old ships in our lives, the old friendships, come on somebody, that you knew you shouldn't be attached to, the relationships, mm. I'm getting all up in someone's business tonight. I've done it. The old relationships you know good and well, you shouldn't be talking to him or to her. The fellowships, that ship. See, we can get the friendship and relationship part, but we don't like the fellowship one because the fellowship is done in private. 
What do I mean fellowship? What you listen to? Y'all ain't even ready for this tonight. What you listen to? What you watch? What you think about? What you meditate on? What fellowship is in your way? What is your fallback plan? When you're not around Bethel music, when you're not around 1132 music, when you're not around Tasha Cobbs, where do you go? Where is your comfort zone? I'm talking to the people of God in this room who know the presence of God. You know good and well you shouldn't be uh, connected to that thing. The ships. Tonight is the night for letting that ship drown. Well, they look up on the shore, and the good thing is, Jesus is grace. They're fishing one day. They look up on the shore, and Jesus is cooking breakfast. He yells out to them and says, hey, fellas, you got any meat or catching anything? In other words, for all the time that you're spending out there on the ship, has it been worth it? Has it been worth it or is your joy still expensed from you? Has it been worth it or has your joy, your peace, your purity, are you being expensed of anything of God in your life? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Tonight, the question is for you, is it worth it? That ship, stop complicating it and just let that thing drown. Stop clogging up the holes, exhausting yourself. Just let that thing go. And look up on the shore and see a man named Jesus. Jesus is there waiting, and what's cool is Peter sees him, and he jumps out the boat and swims up on the shore, and he begins to have this incredible dialogue with Jesus, and Jesus restores him as powerful. But what I really want to get to tonight is the very next chapter. The very next chapter is not found in the book of John. The very next chapter is found in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is speaking to some followers of him. And he says, I, I need you to go wait in the upper room. The upper room is where you're going to receive the power from on high. He says, actually, it's for your benefit that I go, because Jesus was in resurrected form in Acts chapter 1. He says, I have to ascend to the right hand of the Father, where I belong. God the Father's on the throne. i got to be at the right hand of him. But, but, but don't you worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send what's called the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is fully God. Holy Spirit, he said, is equal as me. Holy Spirit, he said, is your power. It's your comforter. It's your helper. It's, come on, it's your energizer. It's your inspiration. It's, 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 it's the chain-breaking power that I need you to carry. So when I, he's literally ascending as he's saying this, when I go up to the right hand of the Father, I'm going to send a helper. He said, it's for your advantage, it's for your benefit that I leave. So the disciples, they go up into the upper room and they begin to wait. See, we don't know what waiting is. 2019, we don't have to wait for anything. Can I tell you there are some things in your destiny and in the kingdom of God you have to wait for? He said, I need you to, I need you to go wait. I could literally click on an app right now, order a car, and before I get to the next point, I'm in this Uber. Because our generation is so innovative and it's great and you understand my point here, but we hate waiting because we hardly ever have to. Why don't we like waiting? Because it implies time. But the disciples understood something. They understood that there was more. And in order to get the more, they had to wait. Not just waiting by giving time, but they also had to expect. 
They understood that there was more to God. And if there's more to God, there's more for me. There's always more to God. They understood in this moment that there was more. Secondly, they understood that they needed the more. Do you know that you need to more? That's why you're bound in what you're bound in. That's why you're stuck in what you're stuck in. Because you haven't received the more of God. He says, I know that there's more and I need it. I need it. I need the more. You know why they went up to the upper room so fast? Because they understood that Jesus is a man of his word. Do you know that the Bible calls him a man that he shouldn't lie? A man that does not lie? Revelation chapter 19 is also known as faithful and true. I don't know who's lied to you. I don't know who's been unfaithful to you. I want to let you know and serve notice on that lie in your mind that there's a God in heaven who would never leave nor forsake you and you can take him at his word. They had history with Jesus, so they knew that he was a man of his word. They were in the upper room and they were waiting, they were expecting, they were looking, a day would pass. They were waiting, expecting, and looking. You know, you look for what you expect. If I ordered a package for my wife, I'm gonna be looking out the window. When's it gonna get here? What's going to get here? Are you looking for what you're praying for? Or are you just praying and blaming God that it never comes? Maybe it passed right over your head and you completely missed it. Or maybe your answer doesn't come in the form you think it will come in. They were waiting. They were expecting. So the first thing we see in this text is waiting. Somebody say waiting. They were waiting. The next thing we see in this text is if you throw it up on the screen for me. Thank you. It's a wave. It's a wave. Because it said this in the text. It said, suddenly, when they were in the upper room, suddenly, a sound from heaven came like a mighty rushing wind. There was a wave of wind that entered in the room suddenly. Now, I love this. We read this suddenly and we preach it. You know, you're ready to have a suddenly moment. But can I tell you that suddenly season is preceded by a season of expectation. Women suddenly have a baby. You suddenly get healed. Your family suddenly comes to Jesus. No, it wasn't just suddenly out of nowhere. They were expecting it. They were expecting it to happen, believing that Jesus was not a man that he should lie. Suddenly, a sound from heaven came and entered into the room. And it said that a pillar of fire came into the room. And it said the pillar of fire was before them and it split on each of them. And it rested on top of their head, on, on each of them. Somebody say all. On all of them. There were 120 in the room. Not on 113, but on all of them. There's enough fire for everybody. On all of them, it rested. But I love this. When I was reading this, God showed this to me just last week. I said, like a fire? I know that. But also in another text, it talks about it being like a dove. Jesus' baptism. Before Jesus even started his ministry, he walks up on the scene. John the Baptist is there. John the Baptist baptizes him. It says that the sky parts, Father God speaks down. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Speaks to him. And it says, like a dove, 
the Holy Spirit descended on him. Now we preach it, we preach uh, uh, as a dove. We even, some preachers even get doves as props. Y'all see that one preacher, he threw the dove and it came right back down and hit the ground. <laughs> we even use it in our church emblems. I even got a tattooed on me representing the Holy Spirit. But we, sometimes we can, we, we can read it as a dove. Holy Spirit didn't come as a dove, he came like a dove. What does a dove represent? Peace and purity. What does fire represent? Power. God said, Tyler, if you're ever lacking peace, purity, or power, you're lacking an activation of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. So it came down like a fire rested on each of them. And then this is what happened. It said that they all began to speak in other tongues. Some of y'all just got real nervous. Talk about tongues in church. Half the room was like, finally, church. We about to go in. Finally, preacher. The other half gets, <laughs> my man Devin, like, yeah. The other half of the room just got real nervous. I ain't going to do anything weird. Don't worry. By the way, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. People make the Holy Spirit weird. That's why you don't like the Holy Spirit because people have made it unpredictable. They've done a bad job maybe hosting the Holy Ghost. So you have now made the correlation between the Holy Spirit and the weirdo. And I can be a little weird, I ain't gonna lie. But I'm, all I'm trying to say is, Holy Spirit isn't weird. People can make the Holy Spirit weird. It said this, that, 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 that tongues, they begin to speak in other tongues, in, in unknown languages, in a heavenly language. It's a really powerful thought. Imagine being in the room, 120 people, and this fire comes, and they begin to pray in this other language. I begin to ask God, God, why fire? Why, why fire? Because people say that that was for yesterday. My, my question is this, real simple, maybe it's an ignorant question, but at what point did God look down from heaven and say, that's enough fire, that's enough fire, that's enough fire. Oh, that's enough. When he himself is an all-consuming fire, at what point did he say, that's enough, that's enough. Last time I checked in 2019, we need the power of God more than ever in our generation. I believe it with all my heart. We need the fire. Check this out, check this out. Fire spreads. He would have used something else if he didn't want it to spread, if he didn't want it to be a complete global takeover. He would have used something different. He would have used, let's say, dynamite. You say he did because the Greek word of power is dunamis. No, dunamis is the mother of dynamite. Dynamite is a derivative to the word dunamis. Yes, the word dunamis representing power, which we're using synonymously as fire, yes, it is an explosive power. But dunamis doesn't mean just explosive. It means a regenerating right now power to act, a power that spreads, a power that takes over, a power that fills every church and fills every believer to move you forward. Fire of God. The fire also, there's a few, few other things. And if I get my guys to help me out, fire number one. I'll just do it. Fire draws. Fire draws. The other night, there was a fire in my neighborhood. I got up because I'm nosy. Threw my slippers on. <laughs> just, just nosy. You know good and well if a fire happened, 
You've, you've, you've done it before, dumpster fire. You're like, oh, especially if you're from a small town. Dumpster fire, yeah. You, you're going to go where Because fire draws. I believe that's God's growth plan for your church. Let somebody get up out of a wheelchair. See if your church don't grow. Let a deaf ear be open. Let somebody die in the middle of service and they get up again because of fire of the living God. Well, fire draws people. Fire also refines and strengthens like a blacksmith in a sword. It refines, it burns away what is weak in your life. It refines and it strengthens you if you're feeling weak. That's what fire does. Somebody say, I need the fire. So they're baptized, they begin to pray in an unknown, unknown language. Bible talks about that when you pray in the spirit, you're praying the will of God. You're praying the perfect will of the Father, Bible says. Bible also says that when you don't have words to utter or speak, the Spirit helps you in your weakness. That word weakness is inability. Because sometimes, with, sometimes I don't know what to pray. As, Bible, as the Bible says, for as I ought to. But the Spirit speaks through me. That's why I pray in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I don't have time to pray in English. If you're wondering here at the Church 1132, the whole staff, we pray in the Spirit every day because we believe in the activation that it does inside of me and through me. I need the Holy Spirit. My life went to the next level when I began to pray specifically in other tongues. And by the way, praying in other tongues isn't the apex. It isn't, it, 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 it isn't the, um, I'll just use apex. It, it's not the, uh, it is a byproduct of being filled with, in the Spirit of God. It is not the best, it doesn't make you less than, but it is a byproduct of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see that by Scripture. But I love this because when Peter was filled, so we have waiting, then we have waves, then we have tongues, and Peter was filled, and suddenly now in the text we see what's called boldness. Because Peter then was baptized in the Holy Spirit, runs out and preaches, and 3,000 people were saved. Come on, somebody, if that ain't boldness, if that ain't boldness, I don't know what is. When you go from denying Jesus a few times in front of random people to suddenly now preaching, and the whole town gets saved. Somebody say, we need the fire. It goes from boldness. and then, But Peter understood this. Peter understood that it couldn't be just declaring the word of God. He had to now demonstrate the power of God. Acts chapter two, he preaches, 3,000 get saved. Go to Acts chapter three. Peter's walking with John. They look over, they see a lame man laying by this gate called Beautiful. And he walks up to the man, and the man is asking for what the Bible says, alms, or is asking for a handout. He's asking for money, for donations, because he was paralyzed by this gate. His context was this gate. His context was a low place until two men of God walked on the scene. This is why it's important for you to walk in the anointing. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she touched what was touching him. When, when, when people touch you, do they touch him? They, they walked up to this man, and Peter said, bro, I'm sorry, I ain't got no money, man. But what I do have, I give to you. He says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. 
This is important for you to know because he says what I do have. You can't give something you don't have. If I walked up to Trevor right now and said, bro, want me to give you $100? He's like, yeah, man, for sure. And I was like, cool. If I ain't got it in my pocket, I can't give it to him because I can't give what I don't have. Come on, somebody. You can be filled in the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. I believe that was on my heart. And uh, it's, a, it's a major value in my life that I'm constantly activating this on the inside of me. Peter now demonstrated it. This man got up, and this is actually in Acts chapter 4 what put Peter in trial. Because the religious folks said, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this. They said, a notable miracle has been done. So they, they, they eventually just, just, just let him go. But this is what led to trial in Acts chapter 4. He laid hands on a man who couldn't move for himself. He was healed by the power of God. He got up, and Peter was arrested. And Peter said, that's when he said, there's no other name which make me say by them by the name of Jesus. But that text opens up by saying, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up. If you're struggling in your boldness or in the area of power or in the area of your peace, let me tell you, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the missing link for your life. Just blankly put, it is the missing link in your life. I think we must be filled. The Bible actually says that, 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 that they were all filled. And I want, you to, I want you to pick that up tonight because we say, oh, it's just for some. No, it's for all. The Bible also says it's also for your children and all those who are far off. So we see now power following boldness in the text. We need more than any time ever in history a move of the Spirit of God. In our generation, in a confused generation, in a wandering generation, it's not going to be good teaching or good preaching. It's going to be a manifestation of the Spirit's power. Paul said, it's not by wise or persuasive words, but by a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that men may not rest on human wisdom. He also says the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. We're talking about the most persuasive and wise man in all the New Testament. He's saying, as persuasive as I am, as impressive as I am, that's not what is going to set a generation free. It's going to be a manifestation of the Spirit's power. Because what that does, what that does is allow you to say, it wasn't me, it was all God. We need to burn now more than ever in the prayer closet, burn now more than ever within. There's a story that I love to share, and um, I'm just thinking about just where we are as a culture and how we need it more than ever. Uh, there's a story of a few years ago, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I came across a news article of, of Jaylee's, uncle, or Jaylee's uncle, Uncle Steve, and at this time, there was a burn ban happening in town. And the news reporter was asking, Mr. Steve, 
He said, what do you think about this burn bin? What do you think about them stopping you burning the brush that you have out back? He said, a burn bin? He said, I don't care about no burn bin. He said, I'm going to burn anyways. And I think more than ever, we need to get the resilience of Uncle Steve and say, I'm going to burn anyways. I don't care about my comfort. I don't care about what culture says. I don't care about what Facebook says. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what my friends say. More than anything, I'm going to burn for Jesus and the power of his spirit. <laughs>